Six Pack Chats, episode nine. Nice. Open, boys. What you all drinking on? You know what I did? I went to Costco, got the uh, Free State Variety Pack. So Copperhead Pale Ale out of mm-hmm. the game for me. Steve, what you drinking on? First of all, I'm surprised you're drinking a pale ale. Second, I am drinking a Brooklyn Bel Air Sour, a party tardy. What? Yeah, well, so the brewery is like Brooklyn Brewery. Where? Which is in San Landerno, California. Oh, but that's weird. It, well, yeah, right? Uh, it was a mixed pack as well, but I only have three of the sour party tardies left. Don't be tardy for the party. And it, like the can makes it look like it'd be like a beverage from 90210 in the 90s. But somehow from Brooklyn. Totally. None of this makes sense. All right. Before we even introduce him, let's go ahead and find out what our guest this week is sipping on. Because if we don't like it, we can just hang up and then save all of us from some embarrassment. JD, what you sipping on? I am having a delicious Shiner Bach from uh, somewhere in Texas. You know, the Spotsville Brewery. Yeah. It is, you know, pretty much the honorary brew of Texas. I'm a big fan of Shiner Bach. Yeah. My it's wife is from dark, Texas, right? so yeah. I kind of yeah, it's brownish. It's got yeah. a little amberish, so it's uh, it's good. It's a good beer, and uh, for this occasion, I could think of nothing else. If you want to fit in in Texas, drink some Shiner Box. I'm in California, so uh, I figured drink a Texas beer. <laughs> well, yeah, JD, uh, it's. It's uh, awesome that you joined us. Thank you. Uh, JD is, are you, I was thinking about this. Are you a founding member of the Box Masters? Yes. It was uh, started okay. by uh, me and Billy. So okay. we were okay. the first two and uh, we've had a few uh, other people as various official members, but uh, it's always just been me and him. And how'd you meet Billy? Wait, 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 wait. The Box Masters light rays album oh yeah is their 10th album pre-sale starts july 17th when does it actually come out it comes out the uh the greatest day to have a release which is september 11th Mm. uh, (laughs) wow can't forget that one yeah it's you know hopefully nothing insane happens and i always felt bad for people are born on september 11th oh yeah my wife's sister is a september 11th kid but uh, that stinks, you know, before we get to the box master's story, let's go back. JD and I have known each other since seventh grade. Uh, when I moved outside of Salina to go to Southeast of Celine, uh, JD, your cow tipping partner, right? Basically. Nice. I mean, if I was doing anything like that, it was with him and our two buddies, Ryan and Craig. Now, JD, my first memories of you and I and our friendship was going to your house. And I always remember JD's family would have like 10 different types of cereal. I was like, this is good living. (laughs) They have so many cereal. My mom would make me eat grape nuts. Yeah. We probably had some of that too, but we, uh, I don't know. That's all we ate for, most of the time for breakfast and we always had to eat something we i you know 
I would go to places like your house and we get up in the morning and nobody would eat anything. And I never understood that <laughs> how people could live their lives, not getting up and eating something. So intermittent fasting at an early age. <laughs> yeah, we were on it. Yeah. Now, JD, technically you didn't live on a farm, right? But you did farm. My dad farmed some, uh, he was, uh, mostly when I was growing up a, uh, house builder and, right. uh, you know, the farm was part of the family, but it was never the main thing that we did. It was just, um, the farm was there. Oh, excuse me. Dad had a couple of cows and, uh, you know, some wheat fields and whatever, but I, I never had, uh, much interest in staying around the farm. So, but JD did live out in the middle of nowhere, which happened to be the only neighbor he had was essentially the school we went to, right? Both out in the middle of nowhere. But I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong here, your backyard was wide open and a great space for wiffle ball. Yeah, no, it was big and it, it backed onto another wheat field. And before, back when we, we, when we were that age, yeah, there was no trees really back there so you know we could do whatever we wanted to like the field of dreams essentially yeah that was right true. without i would act like i was playing like in the movie dude it was like that except no dead baseball players that, oh shit ever showed up you're not drinking enough my favorite thing was i would uh hit golf balls from my front yard across the highway because <laughs> eventually another house got built across the road and, you know, we had to stop hitting golf balls, but it used to be just an empty field across there. So I could hit balls as far as I possibly could with whatever janky driver I had. <laughs> right. He and went like 200 yards, 175 yards at a time. He didn't care. Yeah. That's like 10 cup shit. Yeah, absolutely. We were not good golfers back then, but we, <laughs> but we, we played once a year and had a good time doing it. 100%. Now, my other memory um, of you and our early friendship was before football games. Now this must've been in high school before football games, because JD lived so close to the school between school and football. Um, we would go to his house and watch full metal jacket <laughs> because for some reason that was going to pump us up now. Oh, hell yeah. Dave. Now JD, what age were we when that was happening? We must've been freshmen. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what year that came out, but there was you also were, remember we would go to my house and play Atari mm -hmm, football mm -hmm. before uh, games. And I mean, I was driving from the time I was 14. So more than likely from freshman year, we were going to my house because I was telling my wife the story the other day about us getting pulled over when we were 14, driving to Salina to go play video games at the arcade. I don't remember and, that. Yeah, we got pulled over because I had a taillight out. And the cop that pulled us over was, you know, he was the neighbor that lived right by the school. And so he knew who I was, even though I didn't know him. And he said, okay, you guys need to just be heading home and get that taillight fixed. Four years later, senior year, I'm driving that same car. The cop pulls me over and says, hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, you got a taillight out. I, didn't I pull you over a few years back for that? Wow. <laughs> Did you ever get that fixed? And I said, oh, yeah, of course I got it fixed. Now, it was still the same, <laughs> same, one. same broken taillight from freshman year. So, Was that the uh, Brown Nova? 
That absolutely was. Oh, I love, dude. We spent some good times in that car. That Heck sounds yeah. like a song, Brown Nova. Put it on your ne- one of your next twenty albums, dude. Okay, we'll get to it. Okay, so so B side. I will say this about our high school that was so small. Steve, listen to this. So we graduated with like thirty-four people in our graduating class, right? Just an insanely yeah. small school. But JD is in a band that tours and you know is gonna go tour Europe and play Glastonbury probably and all this stuff. We also have a girl that graduated a year behind us that has a show on HGTV. We had a guy that graduated a couple years before us that got fourth in the decathlon at the Olympics in 96. That's a little weird, isn't it? Coming out of that high school. Wait, 96? Was that like the year? Of- Dan and Dave. Yeah. Yes, and he – so He beat so, Dan. Yes, he beat one of them <laughs> because one of them messed up the um, – One's a one chick of- now, right? No, no, that's a different person. Come on, come on dude. That's Stop. Bruce. My bad. Okay. You're, so, so, so. But that, that's, that's from, yeah. Considering our school's that small, JD, right? That's pretty, like, yeah. maybe I should move to that town. Maybe my kids will make it big. Well, I didn't, so. No. <laughs> oh, you're Don't three rush. people you know, dude. Honestly, be, more people know who you are, Brady, than me. So that's probably, uh, you know, you're selling yourself a little bit short. Listen, the only. And my kids, I try to tell them this. The only people that know or care who I was at any given point was the small portion of the people that listened to one specific radio station in one specific town and paid attention to that radio station. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. But but we used to do that. We used to pay attention to the DJs. Mm-hmm. Back when it was a thing, when it was, you know, local radio mattered, you know, we knew who the guys were i don't i can't remember them now but you know whoever the, the night guys at 99 kg were you know we knew who they were yes dude <laughs> it was a big deal absolutely jerry the beaver Liby was one <laughs> jack armstrong who actually is a top guy in la at one point and um one i always remember the guy did uh he did a parody song and it was his name that was in the parody song kind of self-serving but I always remember his name um, whenever I hear that song. Was this before before, or after Weird Al? Uh, you know, it was probably about the same time because that's what radio dudes do. But he just wasn't you know, as weird. Rip off everybody. Yeah, this, it wasn't a great parody. Okay, so <laughs> I, I don't even know where I'm going now. So J.D. then goes to K-State. But, oh, yeah, I was going to say I do remember J.D. Um, there were signals early on like because – he was the lead in Oklahoma when we did the musical Oklahoma. Do you still sing that song whenever you have to spell that word out? Yes, but I was always the bad guy, so I didn't have to sing Oklahoma in the actual show. Oh. So I'm, I'm very proud of being typecast early on. I was, uh, I was the bad guy from second grade through high school. I was, <laughs> always, I was always the bad guy. And uh, it's like, yes. Dude, you know what? I didn't, I didn't think about it until later on, but it's like, yeah, I was the bad guy, and uh, it, it's uh, it's a good feeling to be uh, be that guy. Well, I'm jealous because I was never like certainly in a musical. I was never a lead, but I did have like four parts in that because we didn't have enough people to fill out a cast. Yeah, so they were like, okay, why don't you be this guy, this guy, and that guy? 
and people won't notice. But let's talk about what was the play you did, I think it was senior year, that was like an actual play play. Like no, none of the none of the rest of us. You were the you were the like the only guy that would do drama class, and <laughs> and and none of the rest of us did. And I was jealous of you after you know like watching the play. I was like, ah oh, man, well, I missed out. And uh, Dude, the only reason I was doing that stuff is because that's where the girls were. Yeah. You understand that, right? Yeah, but there were Southeast of Celine girls, and I don't, we, were, I we, we were over all of them. <laughs> Bro, I had discerning taste. I mean, no, listen. <laughs> and I wanted to be in the musical, but I couldn't sing at all. And so I wanted to do the, and so I would do the play. You know what we did? We did the odd couple, but because we couldn't um, fill out the cast with dudes, it was the female version of the odd couple. And wow. I played, I played, listen to this. I played their Mexican neighbor. I was now they didn't put any makeup on me. Thank goodness. Yes. I know that would be a bad look at this time, bro. It would have canceled my political career before it even got started. (laughs) Um, yeah. So we did the odd couple and because I did where you would go and do like the improv duet acting and all that. Do they call that forensics? Yes. Yes. I did that because I would go and it would just be me and a busload of girls and because we were doing improv, I didn't have to study or prepare or anything. It was great. <laughs> hey, dude. Yeah. hey, looking back at it, you know, it's like sometimes we make a few wrong choices. And uh, right. well, I made a few. No, you didn't. And I don't see what, what wrong choice. I could have used some of that uh, improv training. But I did. There was no training. JD, there was... We weren't training. When I got to K-State, I had to take a uh, improv class and mm. it was not my thing. I, I didn't like it. I don't like, I never liked acting. I didn't, uh, I didn't get it really. Well, I will say, and I always found it odd that you were such a big part in the musicals just because you weren't that guy. Like Ryan and I were looking for chances to get an audience, right? We were <laughs> oh, like, Oh, y'all going to have a, like uh, the principal's going to speak. How about we do 10 minutes of a Saturday night live skit beforehand? <laughs> I think that's why I always had the parts. Like here's the guy that doesn't have to smile. He basically oh. frowns. He frowns the whole show and sings a few songs. So I think that was kind of the, the reason I I was put in those parts. Somebody had to do I'm the guy that was the least, you know, big actory kind of, you know. Yeah. So th- they had to figure out a way to put me in the show. And so there was always that spot that could I could fill. Well, okay. You were great at it. And I was always jealous. Like, God, I wish, wish I could sing. <laughs> and I still feel that way now. Don't get me wrong. I still wish I could sing and play. So – what I didn't realize, though, this whole time is that you were like low key playing the guitar behind my back. Like I would have played guitar. I didn't know. I took one lesson when I was or like two or three lessons when I was 14, I think it was. And some lady, my dad took a few lessons from her. I took a couple lessons uh, like on my first lesson. She kind of said, you know, you kind of have a natural bass player kind of thing. And uh and I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, but, uh, I took a couple lessons and I learned a couple chords and then I stopped. I didn't play. Um, 
I remember going to, you know, Shrop, the band band teacher, in, like freshman year, and saying, "Hey, I, I've been taking some guitar lessons." And me and Chad Mills both were kind of playing guitar, and we both wanted asked Shrop if we could kind of play guitar in like the jazz band or something. And he kind of let us, but we both played trumpet. He's like, "I both I need you guys to play trumpet." Mm. And so, not jazz flute. Uh. Not guitar. Um, <laughs> I didn't really start playing again until college. And my roommate in college said, hey, uh, you should really concentrate on that. I mean, he could see that I didn't go to school and I didn't actually. <laughs> I better say, what a good roommate. So, you know, he was trying to look out for me like, hey, maybe you can have a future doing that because you're not doing jack shit at school. So... Um, so I started like really practicing and then, uh, you know, kind of started a band there and we'd played some cover songs and just, uh, I'd play out at that kickers bar on Wednesday night. There was a girl that would do, uh, you know, acoustic solo sets and she would let me come play two or three songs. What's kind of song like, coming from a small town. Like what- he was playing like Joe Diffie, John Deere green and shit like that. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I, it was it was country. It was mo- country, and you know, like uh, of the time, it was yeah. uh, it was. I'm trying to remember other stuff. John Michael yeah. Montgomery. Yeah, just Billy Ray Cyrus. I didn't play Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I my taste was horrible at that point, but I, you know, I I, I knew where to draw the line. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> so okay, so I there's so much shit I got to get to, so I got to fast forward a little bit, but essentially K-State doesn't go great for you. You're like, "All right, I'm going to go and pursue this." No, I mean, K-State went great. I just didn't study. I mean, I right. did I did oh, that right. it went too good. I yeah, it did. I I did the show choir thing, which uh was you know, a good experience. Um and uh but yeah, I, I, I figured out my freshman year that I wanted to make records. And so I talked to my counselor and he was like, well, you should uh, look at a recording school. And I just kind of decided I wanted to be in K-State Singers and I wanted to wait until I was 21 before I moved. Mm. And so uh, when I was when it was junior year and it was time to, you know, I was 21 and it was time to move, I went through the mix magazine education directory and picked out some schools. And I was going to go to middle Tennessee state, which is right South of Nashville. And, yeah. uh, you know, was a great recording school. But when I got my transcript back, it said I would still have to take three more years of college to actually <laughs> oh, graduate. Jesus. Fuck that. So, so, <laughs> so we took a, a K state singers trip to Orlando and we were part of a, you know, festival competition thing at Disney world. And while I was there, I uh, took the van and I went and checked out full sail and it's like, okay, I can be done with this in like 12 or 13 months. So I, uh, I chose that. I was like, I want to get to work, you know, and if I don't want to just wait, you know, looking back, if I would have went to middle Tennessee state, I probably would have went a semester and gotten a job and, 
not looked back. So right. Well, why it, does it? My why is my perception? And this is totally my perception. I'm not putting it. This is could be way out of third base, out of a bong, whatever it may be. Full sale in those schools just always felt like Trump University. Well, they they are part of those you know schools for profit that um are what you make of them, and. So they're not they're not going to drag you through it. You're you're going to go through the classes. You have to go, you know, they're they're not going to fail you, but you go through them and you get what you can out of them and then you go. And so luckily when I got out, I went to Nashville and I got an internship and that internship helped me get a job at a place making cassette topic cassette copies of song demos but they had a studio in the basement and so cassette copies nice. yeah so i i was able to take what i'd learned at full sale which was signal flow a few microphone techniques and uh you know kind of the basic knowledge of how to kind of work stuff when i got in the studio nowadays and, that's called google yeah well they didn't this didn't exist in 1995. Right, which is right. crazy. Here's the other thing. So, JD, and I feel kind of the same way with my, if you want to call it a career, but if you would have just had access to the equipment in Manhattan, in Gypsum, you would have been off and running. But we just didn't have, like, listen, that's the thing. We didn't know anybody in, like, a local band growing up in high school. No, I mean, the thing is, you know, the thing that really, the the inspiration, I can point it all down to, us having to tote those big speakers out to do dances where we would, uh, you know, where we would DJ for the junior high dances and yes. all that. And that was, that was fun. And I liked, I liked toting the gear out there. I liked setting it up and I liked playing the music for people. See, and, and I like the audience, and I like, right? You like being Flavor Flav. Yeah, dude. Let me give me that microphone, and let me have everybody eyeball me while I talk. <laughs> yeah, no, I, Which, and I like I like getting out there, and when we'd be like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna go from uh, you know the uh, air supply songs into fight the power," you know, right. <laughs> you know, where we'd slip in stuff that you know we listen to all the time. Yes, but, but you know the freshmen in high school weren't listening to public enemy i hope you guys had a good segue song i mean we didn't need it we didn't care dude you could always put on van halen dude you could always put on van halen jump and you're good to go oh easily anywhere in life we'd follow it up with crisscross or <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah yeah House of Pain and, and all that and it's like segue let's do a bunch of jumping all at once you guys must have been dj in my like grade school stuff we would have been that would have been, been like, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we would have been the totally high school kids. It. Yeah. So, all right, here's the thing. I just wish, JD, I wish I could have ridden your coattail. Like, what you did seems so much smarter than what I did. I mean. Well, I, I don't know that it was, but, you know, at, at the time when you were going into radio, it still existed. And it's kind of mm -hmm. the same for the record industry. The record industry still existed for a little while. But, you know, it's basically gone now. And if I wasn't in this band, I don't know that I would be 
recording and making records still because uh, there's just not there, there's not people aren't making the records or there if you don't have a studio they don't come to you because you know it's like there's you know recording engineers are plentiful and you can always find somebody that'll work cheaper well, so. well that's jd same thing you know with radio like when we were coming up nobody had microphones in their house and now everybody Listen, man, you could go on Amazon. You got a microphone and computer. Bro, you could have more gear than I had access to in the first 25 years of my life outside of the studio, you know? And so the game has definitely changed. All right, listen, I'm way behind. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. JD, two important stories, and then I got a drinking game for you guys. Um, (laughs) Fast forward, fast forward to um, your story and next thing you know, you're working with the Rolling Stones. Hit us with some Rolling Stones mm. highlights. Yeah. To get to the Rolling Stones, yes, I moved to Los Angeles in 2000. Uh, I worked at a few studios, and I ended up at the Record Plant, which is a very famous recording studio. And I worked there for four or five years as an assistant engineer. And I got a call. I'd been working with the Pussycat Dolls for a year. You are working the Pussycat Dolls? Yeah. Okay, like a bunch of hot babes, right? Yeah, I worked with them for a year as I recorded all the vocals pretty much for all their stuff. And uh, I got a call that was like, hey, we're uh, we're working. We we need to finish some overdubs and do some editing on this uh, Rolling Stones record. Can you come over and help us out for a couple weeks? And uh, I said, yes, I'll be right there. And so... No, no, no. I got Hillary Duff on the schedule. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, it's like the next day I, I went to a different studio and I uh, started just helping do whatever they needed. And, uh, you know, during that, it was uh, probably three weeks worth of work that we ended up doing because they were mixing the record. And, uh, you know, there's just certain things that they had to finish up. But uh, at one point I was... Uh, I was, uh, I had worked all night with Mick comping a vocal and the next morning it was like, okay, they came and brought me a drive and they said, okay, back up everything. Let's make a fresh backup. And I, uh, clicked format or I clicked erase, and I selected the master drive. No, stop. And so, so I, uh, I tried to figure out any way that I could recover it. And I went and told the producer, Don was, and I said, Don, I just erased everything. (laughs) And he looked at me and he's like, Oh man, I thought the way you looked, I thought maybe you were going to tell me your mom died or something. (laughs) And I said, no, no, that's better. I, I erased the drive and he said, oh, man, there's there's backups everywhere. Just go find one and, and we'll be fine. Just recreate what we did last night and we'll be good. And anybody else in the world would have fired me, punched me in the face, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, kicked me down the stairs, something. But Don was just like, oh, man, it's OK. And wow. honestly, you know, it was the you couldn't ask for a better horrible screw up than that and so you know i did i went and found everything i remembered 
the edits that we had made the night before and uh i fixed fixed it and you know i i don't i think i've uh honestly i think i've told that story one other time but i don't know that it's ever been recorded with me saying how badly i screwed up but you didn't screw up in reality you're probably just overthinking it and freaking out like oh my god rolling stones i fucked up and the guy was like nah man you're good there's well, shit all over the place. I was just, it was just there. I was lucky that there were backups and, uh, but, uh, you know, in most, in most, in most situations, most situations, I wouldn't do that. You know how many people wish there wasn't a backup? So I've been there and it, that's such a bad feeling, man. When you erase something, it's the worst. I did it on something else recently and just by accident. And it's like, Oh God, that's eight hours of work that I got to do to like re- remix this show. When I asked about the Rolling Stones, that wasn't the story I had heard or wanted to hear. <laughs> I want to hear about the, after the recording, the production is done. Tell me that story. Uh, we went to the studio where uh, Jack Joseph Puig was finishing a mix and everybody was there and, and we had a playback party. And so Mick and Keith were there. They were the only ones from the band that were there. And, uh, now tell me what they were telling you in their voices. Yeah, I, I can't repeat that. <laughs> so, but I mean, the, the, so but the good stuff was so we all stood around and had a glass of champagne. Everybody toasted. Mick saw he, he made sure that he toasted me like he stood a double take and went back and made sure we clinked glasses. How about us? Which was you know which was super great. And then uh, later on, we were, I was standing in a circle with Keith and. Uh, Honestly, I can't remember who else and listening to Keith tell stories. And, you know, Keith took his gnarled up knuckles and he handed me, uh, you know, what he had in his hand. And uh, I shared with him. Dude, so, come on. Was, That's insanity. That story. At any point in this whole powwow of you in a circle with the Rolling Stones, did at any point in your mind go, Shit, you remember in seventh grade when me and Brady were playing <laughs> DJ at the grade school? I mean, yeah, how surreal is right? That? Like it's it is, but it's you know, at the same time, it's uh kind of how I had expected it to be. That's awesome. You know, in a, in an egotistical kind of way. It's like I always kind of expected that yes, I should be that that's where I would be standing. That's goals. That's dope, dude. That's so cool. Okay, so Let's go back to Steve's question so that I can jump forward to our next segment. But so now you're the box masters and, um, you know, the other founding members, Billy Bob Thornton. Um, so talk about that. Cause I, I don't even specifically remember how you linked up. It must've been through the recording studio. Or was it at Royals spring training? Which I love that story that Billy tried out for the yeah, Royals. Right? Back in like 69, and he, according to my memory, he would have made it had it not been for an injury. And by the way, in Sling Blade, there is a Royals hat. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So so how did you guys link up? The first, the woman that gave me my first job in Los Angeles and who I've always, she's been kind of my guardian angel. Her name's Lisa Roy. She ended up becoming Billy's music manager. And so he was finishing his fourth solo record entitled beautiful door. 
and she called me and said, Hey, Billy needs somebody to record vocals and overdubs for, you know, two or three weeks. Uh, are you available to come in and, and, and work with him at his house and his studio for, you know, for a little while? And I said, yeah, sure. sure. And what like circa year is this? This is December of 2006. Okay. And, uh, so I said, yeah, of course I'm, uh, I am available. And so I went there and we started working and, you know, it was basically just me and him just finishing up this record that was mostly done. He just wanted to re-record some drum parts and do a couple of vocal things and just make sure all the songs were finished. And then his longtime engineer would come in and finish the mixes and, and, you know, finish the record off. But during that time, a few weeks into it, um, he got a call and said, somebody asked him to uh, record a version of Lost Highway for a Canadian TV show. And so he's like, hey, I've seen you messing around with the guitars a little bit. Can you play this song with me? And I was like, okay. And he's like, okay, it's Lost Highway. Look it up online or you know, listen to... He had done a cover of it on his first solo record. He said, listen to that song, learn it, and uh, we'll record it tonight. So we did that, and I... Uh, I did it and I was like, you know, we, we made this cool song. And then a few days later, Dan Lanois came in and played steel guitar on it and, and, uh, Dan mixed it and it was, uh, it was really cool. It was, it had a really stonesy, grungy, you know, old school country thing to it. And, uh, it was just kind of inspiring for both of us. But, uh, you know, especially for Billy, cause he's like, okay, he, uh, he saw that maybe I had potential into, you know, playing with him. So we started recording songs. We, uh, he found a few covers like Chad and Jeremy's yesterday's gone, which was an old British invasion song. And we covered that and we just started recording a bunch of stuff. We just record every single day until then we started writing songs and that became, the box masters and we uh i think the summer of 2007 billy had a tour for his record and so you know by that time we were kind of full bore into recording the box masters records so we uh went out and opened for the billy bob thornton band as the box master so we do two sets a night oh weird and uh yeah and then we just started and basically he stopped making solo records and we just started making box masters records full time now here's the story i always tell and so correct away but once you guys linked up i always say that at the time billy was living in um slash's house and had a recording studio so you guys would go in there you would work some stuff out he would go film a project you would like essentially piece together what you could of the album he would come back and join you you guys knock out the rest of the album and boom box masters record kind of but there during that time he he wasn't doing a whole lot of filming um he would do a couple of things here and there but there was never any really extended period of time that he was working on anything um, there were a couple of things that he did that were, uh, 
you know, stuff that it's like he was, he was still in town. So we would still work quite a bit. And, uh, there was just, and then, and then it just, it became a time where he, he just wasn't finding anything that he wanted to do until he wrote a movie in 2010 that we went to Georgia and filmed for, you know, three months. Um, but you know, then we got back and we did the music for it and, you know, edited the, the movie in his basement. Wow. So, but wait, 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 you glossed over it. It was Slash's house. Well, Slash had bought, I mean, it was an old house in Beverly Hills. It had been, um, Cecil B. DeMille's house in Mm. like the thirties. It had been, I think Roman Polanski, Roman Polanski had lived there. Stop. It was, was, uh, you know, it was an old, old house in Beverly Hills. So it had, you know, a big legacy. If walls could talk. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. Right. But yes, Slash had the house before him. And then, so Billy bought the house, you know, from, he had heard that Slash was going to sell it and he went and, um, chased him down and asked him about it. And, uh, yeah, then he bought the house. Because it had a studio in it though. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yes, completely because it had a studio in it. Cause that's what okay. he was looking for dude before. Listen, I got a, a segment I want to do and I'm almost at the end of the, my three pack, which is probably going to turn into a six pack real quick. Just give me the 45 second version of the poker game that I want to hear about because last time I was out at your spot, you know, yeah. you had the picture hanging up. Tell Steve, okay. to talk about that poker game in Man, in 2009 or 10, somewhere in there, we were making a documentary about Willie Nelson. Um, so we did a couple of tours with Willie. And then at some point we went out to Willie's ranch and Willie has the town from one of his Westerns is on his property. And, and, and how high did you guys get? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Is that part of the story? So... <laughs> there at Willie's ranch, he has a saloon. And so it's kind of Willie's clubhouse. He has like a really <laughs> primitive recording studio in the back and a bar pool table and poker table and dominoes. Cause Willie likes to play dominoes too. But, uh, so we did a bunch of stuff out at the ranch where there's a bunch of people like Ray Benson and Jimmy Vaughn and Shelby Lynn and, you know, a few other folks came out, played songs. All this was filmed. It was kind of like a little, you know, picking concert. Willie played. And we uh, played some games. And then later on, we uh, there was a poker game. And it was like buy-in for 300 bucks. So it was Willie, uh, his road manager, Pootie, me, Billy, Owen Wilson and Woody Harrelson. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, final table. So, <laughs> so Pooty um, said, Hey, here, you know, you know, have a shot of the vaporizer. So I, uh, I basically couldn't see. <laughs> <laughs> when you're at Willie Nelson's house. When in Rome. So, so, so I lost my $300 in about three hands. (laughs) Willie took it all like instantly. And 
Billy sat there and he wasn't really playing, but when I got, when I got busted out, he said, Hey, why don't you just take my seat? So I went over and I sat down in his spot and by that time I could see a little bit. So, uh, we, you know, we're playing and at some point I want a hand off of Woody and Willie for like, it was enough that we had both me and Billy's money combined back plus a little more. So it was like a six or $700 pot. Brady hand. I mean, dude, listen, <laughs> he took 700 off of Willie Nelson, Woody Harrelson, while Owen Wilson was watching. Get out of here with any other story you got, right? And, right. Yeah, and Luke was sitting right behind Owen. <laughs> but the Royal Tenenbaums. Busting his balls, probably, for losing that hand. Okay, so, all right, now, I could go on with celebrity stories all night. I don't want to. I want to get down to it. Last segment here. Drinking games portion of the podcast, okay? JD, have you lived in LA longer than you lived in Kansas? Yes. Uh well, wow. actually no. It's well, I lived in Kansas. I moved when I was 21. I've lived in Los Angeles for 20 years now. And so, it's essentially neck and neck. Uh but yeah, it's uh yeah, with uh a year in Florida and three or four years in, in Tennessee. So. Do you ever tell people that you're from really small town Kansas and we're like, what the fuck? I kind of, but <laughs> most people, when they hear Kansas, they go, oh, really? Huh. <laughs> they already forgot. That's not very exciting. So, yeah. <laughs> That's it, it, my point here. So here's what we're going to do. I have five questions, JD, about Kansas that I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask Steve five questions about L.A., I think LA pretends like they're their own little world. And I think you've, you're so LA that you forgot about Kansas. Well, this is how, you know, they're, they're so own little world is you're asking him questions about a whole state and you're asking <laughs> oh, him yeah. questions about a city. Okay. That's fair. Just listen, Steve, with your semantics. Back <laughs> off. I didn't even think about that. Okay. All right. So let's see who does best out of five. All right, JD, you ready? Let's do this. Okay. What city is nicknamed the Salt City because it was built above some of the richest salt deposits in the world? The city in Kansas. Salt City. What is it? I would have said Salt Lake City. Shit. <laughs> uh, let's see. That's uh, not one I'm going to get, so I'm going to go with Leavenworth. Can I get? Can I, can I take a guess? Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. Um, Salina? No. Hutchison. Um, Oh, I was just thinking Salt, Salina. I don't know. That's Hey, it was a good guess. Better than JD's. It's fine. All right, JD, <laughs> here we go. Second question. Open in 1857, Hayes House in this Kansas City is the oldest continuously operating restaurant All right. west of the Mississippi River. Okay, the only reason I know this is because of that Twitter answer or Twitter question that was posed about bars in Manhattan that are or places in Manhattan that no longer exist. And uh, so, you know, me and Ryan, especially were like, what was that place? You know? And I was like the one with the cold fish bowls of beer. And finally I texted, you know, a guy that was a couple years older than us from our high school and college. And uh, he told me it was called Mel's. And so he sent me, as well as I think Brian sent one too, about 
the bar from Mills went to the Hayes house in wow. Council Grove. Wow. So Council Grove, Kansas. Wow. Has the Hayes house. That is some history. So, that was strong. But it's all because of, you know, recent history. I would have never, I would have said Hayes. That's, you know, the Hayes house. Why wouldn't it be? In- I, I probably would have said Hayes too. Hayes Kansas. Yeah. That was a strong JD. That was strong. Yeah, that was legit. All, right. all because of recent Twitter, you hey. know, at least you're keeping at least you're keeping in touch with the midwest that's That's impressive all right question number three jd um and i'll give you like 10 high or low on this in kansas (laughs) farmland covers what percentage of the total land give or take 10 you got to get you got a 20 window what percentage of kansas land is farmland I'm gonna say twenty-five. Oh, I'd go way. I'd go. I'd go like fifty. Eighty-eight percent. Shit, I was but gonna say seventy. But I mean, yeah. I guess I guess pasture land counts as farmland. Yeah, huh? farmland. I mean, and I guess it's just not where cities are. I was All just right, calling Katie. it grass. I was just thinking <laughs> right? grass, grass didn't count, but right, uh, right, like yeah. most of it's prairie. Yeah, exactly. This, these next, this next one's really hard. You won't get it, so let's just fly through it. Bring it. State state uh, motto of Kansas Harrington. is what? No, <laughs> this state motto of Kansas is what? You don't know. Wow. I yeah, don't know. No, it's, it's, I know it. Is it in sunflower state? No, the state motto. Oh, it's like un libra veritas, or you know. Ooh, now so, I I should look that up. I should Google it. In you don't English, know the answer. Well, in English, it's to the stars through difficulty. Oh, he no, went Latin on no, you. But he went no, Latin. No, I would have never. I I thought it was like a Latin phrase. I didn't think it was English. It may be, well, that it may could be. be in yeah. Latin. I'm going to give you a half a point because I'm too lazy nah, to look it up. All right, okay. that's one and a half. And Vino uh, Veritas. That's from some movie, right? I don't know. <laughs> some Scorsese movie. Yeah, I think so. All right, final question, JD. Yeah, I'm giving you one and a half. The Kansas State song is what? This you should know. I, I live in Kansas. I don't even know. State uh, song. State, you know. Uh, wow. You're going you're gonna to kick yourself. I, I probably will, but uh, hopefully it's not any of them that are, you know, problematic, you know. <laughs> it's not, well, I don't know about the lyrics. The title isn't. Okay. Bring it. I don't know. Home on the Range. Okay. Oh. I would say that'd be Oklahoma. No. I don't know why. You but... guys didn't know Home on the Range? Well, I know what Home on the Range is. Home, okay. Home on the Range. Yeah. Yes. I didn't it's know that the was a Kansas song. State song. Okay. Now, now we're going to switch to Steve. Let's see what he does or yeah. doesn't know. Okay, JD, jump in when he doesn't know him. Yeah, we'll see if I know him too. Okay. What this does first... a smog count? The first, one, the first one's easy, Steve, but I'm not going to give you a ton of time. Name three sports teams from L.A. Uh, the Rams, the Chargers, and the Lakers. The Rams? L.A. Rams. L.A. They, Chargers. LA he's, Rams? He's, he's technically correct. Yeah, but, uh, L.A. Rams football club or team. But, but if you're a really, you know, if you're a resident of Los Angeles for any period of time, you don't count the Chargers ever. Well, I know you don't. I, I still consider them San Diego. The Rams we still take because they are originally an L.A. team. Okay, then I'll say but, uh, the Rams, Lakers, Clippers. Yeah. Or but, Kings. 
It's very yeah. disappointing that you haven't picked the longest team to be in Los Angeles. But uh, Dodgers, Dodgers, the Brooklyn yes. Dodgers. Okay, okay, okay. That was good. You guys, right. you, you guys don't. You know, we you got you got your little minor league team, baseball team there in Kansas City. But uh, wait, wait, wait. Who won? Who, who won the last World Series out of all these clubs? Right, we went to the World <laughs> Series. Yeah, twice in a row. In a row, right? So okay. did we the last two years. Wait, we just minor league teams. Wait, minor <laughs> league teams. Who is the reigning Super Bowl champ right now? I'm not talking I about mean, football. Super Bowl and World care. Series in the last. Okay. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's fine. You'll never get this. This is a trick question, Steve. You'll never get this. In 1996, this actor bought 2,600 outfield seats at an Angels game so he could catch a home run ball. Name that actor. 96, 96. Let me think. I was in sixth grade, so. Bought out the outfield. I'm going to go with 96. Now this. Vince Vaughn. That's a good guess. Think, hey, I'm going to give you a hint. He was probably up late at night. You know, maybe he was, you know, partaking in a little, I don't know. Well, what, probably like uh, um, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen is correct. Yeah. Well, all you got to say, it's up late at night. Yeah. He was getting wild, bought out uh, 2,600 seats at an Angels game so he could catch a home run ball. Didn't catch a home run ball. Came up empty that game. All right. You gamble sometimes, right? The Angel Stadium has its outfield is split by those rocks. So uh, you'd have to pick the right side. (laughs) Right. And somebody has to hit a home run. You almost have to look at the lineup to see like how many lefties versus righties. Like DFS. Yeah, right. Okay. Two more questions, Steve. Uh, Five counties make up Los Angeles Metro, essentially. How many people live in the Los Angeles five county area? Oh, shit. I'm going to go with 11 million. Not bad, not bad. 18.8. Damn. Damn. This, this was a few years ago. That's like 21 now. That's crazy. How many people live in the whole state of Kansas? Like 3 million? <laughs> Pop, let me look. That's a good question. I don't know. So, state of Kansas population in 20... 20- Three million. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy how much bigger LA is. Well, you got to think how crazy it is how many people pack into such a small space, and then we have all this land. And right, is it just JD purely because of the weather? No, I mean there's all sorts of uh, you know there's the entertainment business. There is a you know a large part of uh, the aeronautic. And, uh, you know, Boeing, Boeing, Mechanical Douglas. Yeah. The, the Silicon beach. Um, but there's, there's a lot of tech companies that, uh, are here there. Uh, you know, is, well, isn't San Diego almost LA now? Yeah. There's not really any disconnect at this point between, between here and there. Yeah. There's no disconnect from Kansas city to Lawrence now. Yeah. It's, (laughs) It's just all traffic and cities. you know there, there's a lot of opportunities in other industries. <laughs> Getting close, you know, plus the weather is. I mean, it's also it's it's completely different in in different parts of the city, and uh, you know, like where I live, it's 72 degrees. It'll the same, 
you know, that day it'll be a hundred degrees in other areas. So it's a mm. very diverse weather area. And, uh, you know, it's desert, it's beaches, it's mountains. Um, it's, yeah. uh, you know, there's a, it's a, a wide varieties of, uh, temperatures and Dude, we have wide varieties of temperatures, well, yeah. but in the same day. So you don't you just stand in your backyard, you catch a tornado, you catch you some some heat waves. All right, uh, two more questions, Steve. Um, we talked about the 18, 20 million that live in the Los Angeles five county area. How many of the five counties can you name that make up the LA Metro? I feel like in my head I've heard them all but not as prevalent as the five boroughs in New York. <laughs> so LA County, what's your other two? Um, Douglas County. <laughs> oh. um, Calabasas County. <laughs> and Long Beach County. JD, can you name all five? That's a good question. I mean, there's Ventura, there's Riverside, there's Orange and shit now like you're saying them, i'm like yep mm-hmm. and Heard of it. one more um newport that's uh one more yeah you know what i i'm not glendale no nah, glendale's part of uh los angeles um name this county wrap up the I, five yeah i mean i don't i, I honestly i can't that's uh it's not San Bernardino County. It is San Bernardino County. Oh, is it? Yes. And I should have known Orange County because I grew up watching the OC. <laughs> right. God, you're young. Jesus, you kids and you're, you know, OC. Growing I up have more gray hair than Brady. Okay, final question. Steve. <laughs> but I don't dye my hair. For the, I don't either, <laughs> if that's what you're insinuating. Like, that's just one of the few things I got going for me, dude. <laughs> Minimal gray at my age. Uh, okay. I'll give you plenty. <laughs> this is the final question, Steve. The uh, final question about LA for the Kansas guy. Uh, where was Easy E from? Oh, he was from Compton. Yep. JD, how much time you spent in Compton? Uh, I believe I went to a Kmart there one time and bought some Dickies. <laughs> okay. And, uh, they, they but I, Dickies. but I, but I didn't know. I didn't know where I was going. That was after he was hanging out with the Rolling Stones. No, that was before. Like you were <laughs> brand new. Uh, yeah, I was. I was brand new, and uh, like I, you know, didn't know where a Kmart was. So I found one in a Thomas Guide and drove there, and you know, no, no big deal. But uh, later on, I was like, man, I, I think, I think I actually went there. But I, I mean, I've, I've been to other places that it's like the sign says Compton, but it's like, well, this is beautiful. I would, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with this, uh, part of town, like gentrified part of Compton. Yeah. You know, <laughs> wait, whatever it is. Here's the crazy thing though, JD, when you moved to LA from Nashville, what year was it? It was February of 2000. Okay, so did you have a cell phone or a smartphone at that time? There was no such thing as a smartphone at that time, dude. Was there not? I have no idea. I can tell you because I think I was no, a there was, sophomore in high school. There was uh, 
Yeah, no, I bought my first cell phone when I got to L.A. I went to so a, a straight flip phone right then. Dude, essentially, you played. I got I got one of those Sprint phones that looked like a brick. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> a full brick like, you know, the old ones. But this one was at least the size of an iPhone, but it was like four or five times thicker. Yeah, so, not, yeah. not quite Zach Morris. But, dude, you drove from Nashville to L.A. with a MapQuest printout? Uh, more than likely, yeah. Right. How crazy is that? You were like, all right, guys, I'm going to L.A. Maybe you'll hear from me again or not. And he made it in 32 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I did. I I slept for three hours in somewhere and that was it. Um, Did you know where you were going to stay? No, I I just I went until I had to. I was like so tired I couldn't go anymore and that was no, you know, dude, it was like well, four did o'clock you have in the a place to stay in la when you I got did. there yeah because oh. i my old roommate um had moved a year before and oh. so my roommate from nashville at one point had moved to la the year before i did and so i yeah i, I slept on his so couch. we had plotted out a plan on landline phones where he would landline phones <laughs> right wait quick question though so when people move like you did from nashville to la are there types of people in la that look at people that move from nashville and like eh, like stuck up you know like look down upon you from country coming from the country scene not really because i started in uh you know i was a runner i went and got food for people okay. so there wasn't um I started at the bottom again anyway. So it wasn't like, oh, yeah, he came from Nashville and he's recording stuff. Okay. No, I, I had to work my way up again from the bottom. So, um, yeah, there was no stigma about it at all. It was just like, oh. Because for some reason in my head, I could see like LA people like, oh, Nashville guy trying to come out here and get all fancy. Either way, no. they were looking down on you because you were on the bottom. Yeah, but everybody there, you know, I was I was lucky because I went to a place where I was uh, the the manager of the studio hired me because I had worked with her husband and her husband saw that I had potential and he told her. Well, first he told me that I needed to move to LA if I really wanted to be a recording engineer. And I said, yeah, that would be great if you could help me get a job. I'll go. And I went, I was coming to LA to see that roommate for a week vacation. I was just, uh, wanted to come out and, uh, hang out. And the afternoon before I was going to fly out here, that producer called me and said, Hey, my wife just fired somebody at Conway. Can you, when you get to town, go see her. So I drove straight from the airport. I got a rental car. I drove straight to the studio had my meeting and went to work just immediately. I, I got the lay of the land and, uh, the next morning I came in, started working when my vacation ran out, I flew back home. I got my car. I drove back as fast as I could <laughs> so I could get back to work. And so, so I had, you know, kind of the, uh, you know, I had the blessing of the manager and she, you know, she talked me up and, you know, I also had Chubba was his name. He had, you know, the good weed I had. Well, I had the, uh, I had his, you know, like, Hey, this is my guy kind of thing, you know, 
So people would say, oh, yeah, you're you're Chubba's guy. And so I, uh, you know, just kind of got my foot in the door that way. And then I, you know, worked hard and showed that I was open to learning. And so you would say there's a little bit of luck in there. There was totally a lot of luck. It was but it was all because I worked with Chubba in Nashville because I learned how to work the studio and he needed somebody to kind of act as his assistant when he was producing a band in there one time. And so I kind of showed that I knew what I was doing and he was like, okay, this guy has potential. So I'll, you know, help him out. Yeah. So luck combined with that Kansas attitude of, I'm going to do what it takes. I'm willing to help out. Let's not say Kansas. Let's say Midwest. Okay. But right. You agree. There's some of that, like, dude, I'm down to do what it takes. Right. Don't give up whatever the hard work. Right. Let's get our uh, hands dirty. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But, uh, right. you know, and I was there in the right time and, and I knew enough to get my way in and, and then, you know, made the most of it. JD, it was awesome. Always good to talk to you. Um, we, uh, when you come through the town, I need to go to a show. Yeah. Last time, dude, last- Brady never takes me. <laughs> well, well, I just never know. And, but last time I went, dude, it was at knuckleheads and, um, we squeezed into that VIP area. So, their JD's on stage and I was in that uh, VIP area at knuckleheads and in come Ron white and Ron (laughs) white comes in and is like passing an open bottle of like hundred dollar tequila around. And when Ron white passes you a hundred dollar tequila, you don't, you know, like with (laughs) Willie, you don't say no. So that was wild. Um, but definitely get a one up him, Brady. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was not going to hang with him. (laughs) Ron White has that's his own tequila brand, so yeah, right. you're, you're, oh. it's it's going to be hard to one up him, yeah, right. unless you have your own alcoholic beverage with your name on it. Essentially, <laughs> I mean, and that's why you don't turn it down, right? I mean, how rude, but yeah, you definitely should. Um, JD, it was awesome. Thank you, dude. I appreciate Thank you. Uh, nothing but love, buddy. Uh, I love Absolutely. seeing what you're doing. I love hearing these stories. Uh, I just, I don't know. I think it's awesome. I'm so proud of you, man. I just, uh, I really just, do. I just, brag. Just please get a thesaurus out and go in and make me sound like I'm uh, actually smart and uh, know what I'm talking <laughs> what about. Talking and about? Put you, some words in, just, uh, you know, synthesize it a little bit. I don't know what you're sound like me. Yeah, right? I'm going to have JD mix this. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't want me mixing it. Um, all right. The album is light rays pre-sale July 17th theboxmasters.com and doing a lot of action on social media these days i see jd so good job on that yeah that's because i have to do it now because we don't we don't we don't pay anybody to do it anymore so uh brady will do it for free for you (laughs) you're doing no i won't (laughs) doing a great job for free um yeah exactly theboxmasters.com find them on social media all right steve as always JD, appreciate you, buddy. Nothing but love. Thank you so much. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers, you bastards. (laughs)